Greetings in Jesus' name again this morning. Just a couple of things preliminary. Um, got a phone call this morning from Nelson Showalter. Does anybody remember what he said about Noah when he was here for Sunday evening? So it might be sort of a mute issue. But he said he was doing some studying in the book of Genesis and he realizes that or realized that Noah was not um, Enoch's son. Yeah, he knew that. But it specifically says that Enoch was the seventh. But he said, so therefore Noah was not the eighth, as he said. And so he just wanted me to um, pass that on to you in case somebody might have picked up on that. Uh, maybe I'll stop there instead of saying what he said about what uh, the New Testament writer said about that. You know, it's interesting how things work. Um, We were at Bethany when Steve was pretty young. And uh, so we went to church together there till they moved to uh, Highland County. And it was a blessing then, and it's been a blessing to have them here now. And so, uh, Lord bless you, Steve. Um, sometimes we get comments that make us feel a little better than others. Um talking with someone one time and they said well why is somebody being looked for to replace JP so I refreshed their memory about what our rules and discipline says about planning for retirement at 65 and they said well how old are you and I told him and they said huh, I didn't know you were that old so that made me feel a little better uh, some days I don't feel that old. Some days I feel older than, well, I don't know, because I don't know what it feels like to feel older than that. But uh, I've never been there yet. So um, it is a, uh, a blessing to look forward uh, knowing that uh, there's uh, somebody coming along behind. So... You all have heard me say this before, you know, you get ready to, or you think you're getting ready to preach on a certain subject, and then these kind of things come up, and other things come up, and in reading in our devotions, some things came up, and um, so if it seems like I'm in a rut, I'm sorry. Um, I might get out of it someday, but I feel like this is where God wanted me to go this morning. But, so when you look out at the sky, what do you, what do you think about? Did I hear somebody say something? God. God? Good. Is it? The coming of the Lord. Good. So is that all people think about when they look at the sky? Rain. Rain? Okay. How about the earth? 
What do you see when you look at the earth? What do you see when you look at the sea or the rivers? It's all God's creation. And then I'll, I'll warn you, this is not my message, okay? Do you all have any idea why I'm asking these questions? Byron, do you know why I'm asking these questions? Well, there's no songbook up here. Oh, wide embracing wondrous love, we read thee in the skies above. Y'all know you sang that this morning? We read thee in the earth below, in seas that swell and streams that flow. When people look at creation, people look at the handiwork of God, people see different things, depending on your worldview, largely. When you recognize that God's a creator of that, you look at it in a different way than you look at it if, well... Mankind is just destroying it. So I, I, that, that impressed me, and that's not the message, like I said. Came across a, um, I guess they'd call it a poem, this week in, uh, in some reading that I want to share here at the beginning. And you probably remember receiving a telegram thing from um, Eva this week about a message that Josh Good preached that um, two of the most powerful resources in spiritual battles are fasting and what? Okay, that's what we think about. But he said fasting and singing. We might sing a little bit this morning, but I'm going to look at a couple of songs in relation to the message this morning. Uh, and I'll give you the title after I read this poem. And the poem is titled Abandoned. Uh, it says the author is unknown. So what does it mean to be abandoned? And your mind probably goes to where mine goes. This poem isn't about that kind of abandonment. All right, Gerald's itching to say what abandon it means. Okay, all right. Your mind didn't go where I thought it might go, but anyhow. Uh, so usually when you think of something being abandoned, it's left to itself. And this is a little bit the way this is, but it's not about me or you. Abandoned. Utterly abandoned to the Holy Ghost. Seeking all his fullness, whatever the cost. Cutting all the moorings, launching in the deep of his mighty power, strong to save and keep. Utterly abandoned to the Holy Ghost. Oh, the sinking 
sinking until self is lost, until the emptied vessel lies broken at his feet, waiting till his filing shall make the work complete. Utterly abandoned to the will of God, seeking for no other path than my master trod, leaving ease and pleasure, making him my choice, waiting for his guidance, listening for his voice. Utterly abandoned, no will of my own, for time and eternity, his and his alone. All my plans and purposes lost in his sweet will, having nothing yet in him all things possessing still. Utterly abandoned, it's so sweet to be, captive in his bonds of love, yet wondrously free. Free from sin's entanglements, free from doubt and fear, free from every worry, burden, grief, or care. Utterly abandoned, oh the sweet, oh the rest is sweet, as I tarry waiting at his blessed feet. Waiting for the coming of the guest divine, who my inmost being will perfectly refine. Lo, he comes and fills me, Holy Spirit sweet, I in him am satisfied, in him complete. And the light within my soul will never more grow dim, while I keep my covenant abandoned to him. The title I have this morning is God Our Anchor, God Our Rock. And we can experience that from Him as we are abandoned to Him. Now I've put the title in alphabetical order, okay? But I want to look at the rock first and then at the anchor. And most of you here will understand probably why my mind is going some of these ways. You know, we experience things in life and we, you know, humanly speaking, we can't deal with it. And we can't. Because we can't, there's just no answer. But we do have a rock. We do have an anchor that we can trust in. And it was interesting as I looked up those two words in Scripture, and I'm looking at not a, a I'm, not, I'm not looking at a pebble this morning, okay? Um, I, I struggled whether, <laughs> you know, uh, and we're not looking at a big boulder that a bulldozer struggles to move. We're looking at something even bigger and better than that. And dare I say even bigger and better than what we can imagine. So, rock was listed many times. Anchor in my search is listed one time. So I want to refer to a number of scriptures. I probably won't give you time to turn to them. I'll give you some references. 
A number of verses from Deuteronomy 32 say this. He is the rock, talking about God. His work is perfect. All his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. Verse 18, of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful, and God, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. And that's in a negative sense. And this morning I want to focus on the positives. And maybe I'll say it here at the beginning. A lot of these Old Testament scriptures, the negative side does not fit the response of the Christian, okay? And so I'm skipping over a lot of the negatives in some of these scriptures because uh, we're going to look at David in a little bit. And it talks a lot about his enemies. And it's interesting that he talks about his enemies and Saul. Because you see Saul, David viewed <coughs> excuse me, as the anointed of God and not as his enemy. All right, going back to referring to this rock in Deuteronomy 32 again, verse 30. How shall one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight? Except their rock had sold them and the Lord had shut them up. Verse 31, for their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. Verse 37, and he shall say, where are their gods, their rock in whom they trusted? It's making a little comparison between the rock that we can put our trust and our confidence in and the rock that really has nothing to offer. Or didn't call them, yeah, it does call them their rock. In my Bible, it says a little r, rock. When it talks about our God, it's a big R, capital R. Hannah, after she gave Samuel to the Lord, says this. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Then going into David's song, in Psalm 22, and if you care to, you can follow along. I'm going to skip down through here. But I'm going to refer to some of the things that David mentions in this song. Um, after his deliverance. Verse 1, Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Let me stop there just a little bit. So, the difference between David's enemies and Saul was that Saul was pursuing David for no wrong that David did. He was after him. And David made no attempt at Saul's life when he could have taken it numerous times. And there again, this is in the Old Testament setting when that's what took place in the life of the children of Israel. Verse 2, and he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock, in him I will, excuse me, the God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my savior. 
Thou savest me from violence. Verse 7. In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry entered his ears. You want a listening ear this morning? You have one. I just about used improper English. You've got one. And that's God's ear is turned to us as we cry out to him. Verse 8. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken because he was angry. The smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. Verse 17. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. Verse 26. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With a blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. Verse 29. For you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. For by you, I can run against a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to him, to all who trust in him. For who is God, save the Lord, and who is a rock, save our God? Verse 37, you enlarged my path under me, so my feet did not slip. I want to stop there just a little bit. You want security in your footing in life? Stand on the rock. God enlarged David's path under him so his feet didn't slip. Verse 47, the Lord liveth and blessed be my rock and exalted be the God of the rock of my salvation. Verse 50, therefore I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. He is the tower of salvation to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. Going to the Psalms. Psalm 18 verse 2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my strength. Sorry, my God, my strength. In whom I will trust. My buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Verse 31. For who is God save the Lord and who is a rock save our God? Verse 46. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Go to Psalm 62, verse 2. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Verse 6. He, is my, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 91. I want to read a number of verses here at the beginning of that psalm. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him I will trust. 
Verse 4, he shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. I'll stop there with the Psalms. I probably should have said this at the beginning, but I'll say it now. This sermon this morning is for me. Because I, I don't respond um, my, my thought processes don't go the right way sometimes when I think about what takes place. The psalmist had a right thought process. And I don't measure up too many times. I mentioned singing. And I'm not going to uh, sing all these songs. We'll probably sing a song or two here in a little bit. But I want to read this one. When I think about being covered with God's feathers, being under his wings. The songwriter says this, Sometimes I feel discouraged and think my life in vain. I'm tempted then to murmur and of my lot complain. I'm going to stop there just a little bit. Intermediates, did that phrase Ring with our Sunday school lesson this morning. See, we were studying about the Israelites murmuring against Moses, and we talked a lot about murmurings today. I'm tempted then to murmur and of my lot complain, but then I think of Jesus and all he's done for me. Then I cry, O rock of ages, hide thou me. Sometimes it seems I dare not go one step farther on. And from my heart all courage has disappeared and gone. But I remember Jesus and all his love for me. Then I cry, O rock of ages, hide thou me. Oh, what a friend is Jesus, sure anchor for my soul. So tender, true, and gracious, I'm safe in his control. My help in time of danger, my strong defense is he. O thou blessed rock of ages, hide thou me. And the chorus goes, O rock of ages, hide thou me. No other refuge have I but thee. When life's dark veil I wander, far, far from thee, then I cry, O rock of ages, hide thou me. Over in Matthew, we get a picture of who Jesus is when Matthew writes about um, a builder building a house and putting the house on a rock for a foundation. Where he says this, Therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, 
the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. We experience the rains descending, the floods coming, the winds blowing and beating upon our house at times. And if we want to stand firm, we've got to be on the rock. That's the only way. God, our anchor. I want to read another song. It says this. In the dark of the midnight have, have I oft hid my face while the storm howls above me and there's no hiding place. Mid the crash of the thunder, precious Lord, hear my cry. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. Many times Satan whispers, there's no need to try. For there's no end of sorrow, there's no hope by and by. But I know thou art with me, and tomorrow I'll rise where the storms never darken the sky. When the long night has ended, and the storms come no more, let me stand in thy presence on the bright, peaceful shore. In that land where the tempest never comes, Lord, may I dwell with thee when the storm passes by. Till the storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky. Hold me fast. Let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. I want to read a few verses from Hebrews chapter 6. And it's in here that we find that word anchor. Hebrews 6. And this, this just follows up on where he talks about there is no other means for our salvation but through Jesus Christ. And the dangers of going back on that commitment. Verse 9 of Hebrews 6 says this, But beloved... We are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this matter. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name, and in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. I'm going to stop there just a little bit. You're familiar with the account of Abraham. How he waited and waited and waited for the promises of God. And they didn't come. But he still waited. And God fulfilled his promises. Verse 17. Thus God, 
determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. We have access this morning to things that the Old Testament saints didn't have access to. We have access to that anchor because Jesus has rent the veil And he's there and we can stand on that promise. And yes, a lot of these things could be put in our spiritual life. And that's where we're wanting to focus this morning. But the focus is that in the difficult times, don't give up. Sometimes we face things in life that threaten to overthrow us. We're no match for them. You're no match for them. I'm no match for them. But Paul in writing to the Corinthians says when he recognized he wasn't a match for him, he said that's when he was strong because he was relying on that anchor. We have a rock that is solid. We have a rock that is immovable. We have a rock that is not shakable. And we have a rock that is sure. We have an anchor that's not going to drag along in the storms. We have an anchor that will stand firm. Even when those storms batter us. I want to uh, sing the song from Life Songs number 199 um, together. And I want to um, sing the chorus only after verses 2 and 4. Why 
note here that, well, anyhow, I asked Byron to lead a, a certain song at the end. Don't, don't find it in my notes. The Lord bless you as you put your trust, your confidence in that rock, in that anchor that is sure. <laughs>